0: Do you have questions about living with diabetes in South Africa? You're in very good company. Turns out we all do. Welcome to South Africans with diabetes. I'm Bridget McNulty and today we're going to be answering your questions to help you live a healthy, happy life with diabetes. This podcast is brought to you by Lilly. First, a disclaimer, I am not a medical expert. Please discuss any changes you want to make to your diabetes treatment with your doctor. Today we're talking about something a little sensitive, eating disorders. Please be kind to yourself. If you find any of this triggering, there's no reason to listen further. But it is an important conversation to have. Eating disorders thrive in secrecy, and we want to be able to bring the conversation into the light. We know that depression and anxiety are far more prevalent in people with diabetes, but what about eating disorders? Especially when you're living with type 1 diabetes, you're almost encouraged to have an obsessive relationship with food. We have to count our carbs and plan our meals and inject the right amount of insulin and never leave home without a snack and don't cheat. Even the language around eating is very emotive. The most common eating disorder among people with diabetes is diabulimia. That's when people with type 1 deliberately take less insulin or or skip injections so that they can lose weight. An estimated 40% of women with type 1 and 10% of men with type 1 struggle with diabulimia. But even more pervasive is T1DE which stands for Type 1 Diabetes and Disordered Eating. This is a broader term that kind of refers to a general preoccupation with food or shape or weight that's considered to be outside of normal behavior. People with Type 1 Diabetes are twice as likely to experience disordered eating. We asked our South Africans with Diabetes community if they wanted to share their stories, and they did. A lot of people did. I have a bad relationship with food because as diabetics we've been conditioned into thinking food is the enemy, shared Teresa. After 28 years and weighing 45 kgs, my body just decided, enough, and it stopped me dead in my tracks, causing a breakdown. After a year, I changed my lifestyle, in recovery mentally, picked up 4 kgs, and I see food as my friend, nourishing my body and mind. Marilise is struggling with this at the moment mentally struggling with allowing myself to eat as I'm scared my sugar levels might spike or not be in range, she says. Sandra has gone the other way. She says, my brain is in denial. My mind tells me I'm diabetic, but I just eat as a normal human being, no restrictions on anything. It's not nice living with depression too. It's really hard, this journey. Even that phrase, normal human being, breaks my heart a little. And Joanne has another different flavor to share. Not so much an eating disorder, but I suffer from a crippling fear of hypos. So when my sugar is on a downward trend, I always severely overcorrect by stuffing my face and I usually end up with rollercoaster readings for the rest of the day. It makes calorie and portion control impossible. A lot of people agreed with her. Fear of hypos and overcorrecting as a result are clearly a big problem. To help us make sense of eating disorders and diabetes, we've asked registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counsellor Gail Landau to speak to us about her experiences with eating disorders and those of us with diabetes. Thanks so much for joining us, Gail. Thank you for having
1: me. I'm so uh, grateful for this platform, and also to those uh, community members who shared their vulnerability by um, sharing mm-hmm. their journey. I think that's it's so helpful in the recovery process to be able to share. Our feelings and our experience and relationship with food, so that we can yeah. actually normalize it and not and not uh, feel feel that we have to be ashamed
0: absolutely and it was so lovely to see actually because people were sharing their experiences as a comment on the post, and then a bunch of other people were like liking it and commenting and saying, "Oh my goodness, I feel the same way or I've been through this before, and it as you say, it just normalizes it. So before we dive in, I have to ask, what is an intuitive eating (laughs) counsellor? Okay, so um, there's a book called
1: Intuitive Eating, and um, it was a book written by two American dietitians, Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch. Their book is based essentially on 10 core principles that they felt define what an intuitive or a natural eater is, and it is evidence-based as a a non-diet approach and um while there is a book um and a workbook actually that's been released just reading a book or, or a workbook doesn't always afford you the practical skills of of teaching mm-hmm. or supporting people in practice on how to actually integrate these 10
0: principles into your everyday life. And what is intuitive eating? Can you give us a taste of? Yeah. Obviously, not all 10 principles, yeah. but just so, an idea. So, yeah.
1: So, intuitive eating is really a, a platform or a framework that would allow you to explore and help you restore a healthier relationship with food and your body. And it does this by really focusing more on the behavioral aspects that um, are guiding or directing our eating. Um, And also putting a bit of context, like not only always focusing on what a person is eating, but rather when, where, how, and what are the barriers to uh, this process of caring for ourselves nutritionally. So while self-care isn't a a principle of intuitive eating, it's actually a theme that runs through the book and it's very rooted in this uh, internal process, kind of learning to trust the internal process Um, to help you make decisions versus an external process which is what diet mentality or diet culture uh, is all about so in diet culture there's always this emphasis of being told what to eat when to eat how much to eat Mm. and with intuitive Mm. eating we rely less on those rules and rather make those choices based on what our body is guiding us to do
0: Oh, it Sounds wonderful. And I can already see that it would feed into people with diabetes because many of us when we were diagnosed were told, oh, here's a diabetes diet. This is what you need to follow. And one of the things we say all the time at Sweet Life is there's no such thing as a diabetes diet and every person is different and what works for you might not work for someone else. But there is this sense of externally imposed rules because we're living with diabetes type one or type two. So in, in your experience, have, have you had many people coming to you with eating disorders and diabetes? Unfortunately, yes. And that's just
1: because uh, mm. eating disorders don't discriminate. They can occur in the young. Yeah. They can occur in elder people. Um, they can affect people of any gender orientation, uh, any religion, mm. and any any race. So unfortunately, yes. Yeah. Um, in my fo- in my practice, I, I tend to see adults more. Um, so... Uh, In type 2, I would say I've mainly treated patients with binge eating disorder. uh, And that's actually binge eating disorder is one of the the more prevalent uh, eating disorders in the general population. But certainly uh, in type 2 adults, uh, we see that. Um, And unfortunately, I have uh, treated uh, an adult with type 1 with severe diabolemia. Unfortunately, she uh, passed away um and uh, and it was completely devastating for me and um actually after after that i realized i actually need to upskill um my own training uh, specifically around mm. uh around you know acute cases of uh, eating disorders because uh they really require as much as diabetes we always talk about a multidisciplinary team uh, yeah. supporting an individual. When it comes to eating disorders beyond your your diabetes supporting team, it, there needs to be close collaboration with a psychiatrist and a, a psychologist. Yeah. And in that particular case, uh, this individual didn't have adequate support. And um,
0: yeah, that yeah. that was unfortunately a sad outcome. We are doing an episode on diabetes and mental health with psychologist Daniel sher who's also a type one. And he was saying that there are a lot of eating disorders that that he's seeing in his practice too. Why do you think it's so common? Are we, are we more comfortable talking about it now? Or is it just that we're, like in my head, it, there's a straight line between, as I said in the intro, like this encouraging us to be a little bit obsessive about food for good control... That feels like it could easily trip over into an unhealthy obsession yeah. with food, but is it as obvious as that, or do you think there's more to it
1: so look, I think firstly, we need to also recognize that just the prevalence of eating disorders in the general population mm. is around sixteen percent of adults uh, amongst wow. amongst adolescents, anything between eight to fifteen percent and sadly uh, a study it 's an older study from two thousand and nine children as young as five years of age, so Oh, no. The problem is that as soon as you've got a co-occurring condition, that's when we that's where there's probably a greater possibility of uh, of an eating disorder. So, as you mentioned in the intro, the average element of diabetes care involves some type of food rules, and sadly, actually, some of the interventions that are prescribed outside of a diabetes space would be regarded as disordered eating in other communities. So telling somebody to do intermittent fasting for example or cut out a food group, those are red flags for the general population where we would say that relationship with food is problematic or that is actually on the spectrum of disordered eating. So. While there are obviously people within uh, the diabetes family network who are going to have a diagnosable eating disorder, I would say the greater percentage Mm -hmm. of people with diabetes are probably in the space of disordered eating, where they are going Mm -hmm. on diet and off diet. Um, So I think diabetes itself um, may predispose, uh, certainly... um, in people with type 1, they might also have uh, other autoimmune conditions together with diabetes like celiac disease, which may bring on further restriction over and above being careful about the volume of carbohydrate at a meal. Um, mm-hmm. And as you mentioned earlier, the prevalence of anxiety and depression is already there. So we, so now what happens is we bring on all these food rules and we know that uh, dieting or diet culture and diet mentality and being on a restrictive diet unfortunately um, sets us up for failure because it actually causes us to be anxious around our eating as the one uh, yeah. a member shared. Yeah. You know, the fear of a hypo, uh, the fear of going high makes us um, less trusting of our body in the moment and we either under-respond or overreact. And so um, I think that's a factor. And I think, unfortunately, weight stigma is another factor that we need to address. So, so weight yeah. stigma is when We hold negative uh, attitudes towards people in larger bodies. And certainly um, in the diabetes space, there's a a really big message that uh, being fat is the worst possible outcome and fear fat and fearing a bigger body. And eating disorders don't discriminate. They occur in all sizes of bodies. And we know that uh, weight stigma or anybody who has experienced judgment or shame because of how their body looks... And over time, that that message gets very, very much internalized deep in your psyche. And so even though you're no longer hearing a a mean doctor or counselor or whoever it was say a disparaging comment, uh, the internalized shame sits deep within you. And then it it
0: actually uh, interferes with your relationship with food. Absolutely. And when I think of anything to do with diabetes, the message of moderation is not often preached. Yeah. What I find missing and what we try to say at Sweet Life, but but we're not registered dietitians, we don't give specific advice, but we we say, listen to your body and do what you feel is right for you and everyone is different. But we also in general just preach like a moderate way of eating and a sustainable way of eating. Because I think that's what you're saying here too, is the yo-yoing of going on and off diets is exhausting, it takes up a lot of space, it probably leads to burnout and it's really bad for your body. Mm. Whereas if you can the joy of being able to to test, particularly for those of us with type one and and if we're lucky enough to have like a dash glucose monitor or, or a CGM, is that you can eat something and say, oh that's interesting. Look at what this food does to me. And oh gosh, I really can't be eating that in that portion because look at what my blood sugar did. Or if I'm gonna do that, I need to inject more. But It's not often that we approach food in such a, I almost want to say like a lighthearted, curious way. And so that's also why I think it's so important for us to have these conversations is like what a relief to hear that most probably most of us with diabetes have some version of disordered eating. And it it probably wasn't consciously adopted. There was no point at which I was like, I'm going to think about food more than anyone else. I know it's just part of the parcel. So knowing that, what do we do about it? I'd love to know what we do about it if there's just a gentle version of, of disordered eating and then how to spot the warning signs if, if it could be something more serious. Yeah, so I think that's a great
1: question. So I think in terms of the, the way we, we think about food in the first place um, is instead mm. of labeling it uh, allowed or not allowed, um, yes. less rather or cheat feeding. Yeah, Ugh. exactly. Or clean eating. You know, the only, the only thing about, mm. um, the challenges here is that over and above the information overload that you might receive just from the diabetes care, we're still living in a very weight centric society, which, which yeah. is very much yeah. uh, promoting that how you look trumps how you feel.
0: Determines your worth. Determines
1: yeah. your worth. Or as you said, this, this hyper-focus on, on numbers and vigilant um, monitoring. So again, with regard to monitoring, I would say let's monitor with meaning. Let's try to be curious about this. Um, and instead of labeling it uh, good or bad, uh, allowed or not allowed, how does this food actually feel in my body? Uh, do I feel energized when I eat it? Do I feel satisfied when I eat it? Um, do, I f- oh, so do I feel, um, you know, does it leave a good mouthfeel? And why that is important mm. is that it's going to guide you whether or not um, you you feel that this is a food that I would like to include in my diet uh, more often. Mm. So I think where it becomes um, a problematic in, in this gray space of disordered eating, if you've got more food rules governing your food choice, if you're approaching a meal and saying, I should eat this, I have to eat that or else, you are going to be mm-hmm. less likely to be able to respond to how your body is feeling because you, you're more focused mm-hmm. on on how this is going to look in, in terms of the numbers and you are forgetting mm-hmm. whether or not this actually feels good in my body. So um, yeah. the more food rules you have, the harder it is to trust your body. Uh, I would say a, a warning sign or a, a worrisome thing, and is if food thought is is occupying your your thoughts. You know, if if you think about how mm. much of your day is spent worrying about food or thinking about food, mm. you know, we mm. do need to have some awareness in terms of nutrition and self care. But if outside of your regular meals and snacks, you're constantly thinking about what to eat, planning meals or whatever, that that is mm. cause for concern. Some of the other warning signs where we are shifting more towards uh, you know the eating disorder and an eating disorder can have different presentations. There are different types of eating disorders, so you have anorexia nervosa which can actually occur in any size body it 's not only we don 't only look for anorexia nervosa in someone in a small frame. Uh, it could be bulimia uh, so bulimia is an an element of can be a person who has tendency for severe restriction and then binging and then a need to purge or or vomit or get rid of Mm. those goods. So uh, diabulimia is actually a form of that, and people abuse their insulin by under-injecting in order to run their sugars high and so that they will lose weight. Um, So I guess Mm. a, a warning sign would be an unexplained increase in A1C levels. Or repeated okay. yeah, episodes of DKA, I'm saying in a, in a type 1. Yeah. I would say other yeah. warning signs is if there's ex- a lot of over-concern around how you look about body size and shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, another another form of uh, bulimia, uh, and it can also occur together with other eating disorders such as uh, anorexia or binge eating, uh, is exercising obsessively or too intensely or for too long or for an individual who is doing that and, you know, getting recurrent hypos. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Another thing may be a tendency towards always opting for the fat-free, the low-calorie meals. Uh, In women, we do also look for the absence of menstruation, but it's no longer a a warning sign because eating disorders
0: can occur in any size bodies. So if our listeners are, are nodding their heads either about themselves or about someone that they know... What's the next step? How how do you help and, and what can we do?
1: So I think uh, at least uh, speaking to someone that you trust, uh, whether it's mm. a spouse, a, a partner, a doctor, a nurse, uh, maybe just saying, you know, I'm not feeling comfortable about my relationship with food or I'm noticing I'm having uh, a lot of anxiety around food choices. Um mm. You know, it's it's kind of just admitting that you're struggling. Uh, mm. I think another aspect is if you are caring for someone with with diabetes and you are seeing some warning signs, it's always important not to focus on on looks. Uh, you know, I think mm. I always say to, to parents, uh, focus more on on attributes and behavior and and less about about the look. Uh, try to encourage family meals, as you mentioned early on. Uh, eating disorders are quite secretive, so again, if you are engaging in yeah. secret eating and hiding, um, and and often that's that's where you know the binge eating is often done in secret and in hiding. And so, yeah. if you notice you're feeling uncomfortable eating in in front of certain people. It might also be about having a conversation about, can you stop commenting about what and how much I'm eating at the table? You know, sometimes yeah. sometimes yeah. we avoid family meals because we worry someone at the table is the food police and probably gonna hone in on what we Absolutely. are eating. Um, yeah. and, it, and it does become a very uncomfortable because as much as you wanna just nourish your body, there is, uh, eating is not only about nutrition and nourishment, there is an element mm. of pleasure and satisfaction. And yeah. sometimes uh, eating becomes less joyous and it just becomes very regimental. Um, so again, one could also comment and saying, I've noticed you, you skipping meals. Or for example, if it's a parent noticing a child, I'm trying to understand why we haven't needed to order more insulin. Uh, we seem to be having a lot of insulin still available. But again, eating mm. disorders become very sneaky And, uh, that is the sad part of it is that uh, people become experts at hiding. And sometimes our diabetes affords us this ability to hide because we can say, oh, my sugars were too high. And so that's why I missed the snack or, you know, so we, we sometimes blame our diabetes and the reason why we've got a poor relationship with food. Um, at, at the beginning, of uh, last year, I started a group trying to network like-minded healthcare professionals uh, into using Wonderful. non-diet approaches in practice, whether it's intuitive eating or mindful eating or uh, or other type Wonderful. of approaches, and it's called Non-Diet South Africa. And so that we can try yeah. and minimise things like weight bias and weight stigma in practice, and and that the, oh, that's so and that we can um, afford people an alternative if if we, we've we reached the bottom and we just can't face the concept of another diet and more restriction, that there is a lot of other alternatives that are evidence-based, that still result in good diabetes care, good A1Cs. You can still have a healthy lifestyle. Oh, what a relief. Engage in mm. positive movement and exercise. It feels good for your body without always doing it because you feel you have to. So um, yeah. So, um good things are coming is what I would like to say. Yeah, but uh, for those people who may have been triggered uh, by some of this discussion, I would encourage you to reach out to any healthcare professional that you trust. And if you know that your healthcare provider is someone who always hones in on your weight or your body size, you have a choice and you can move or you need to alert your doctor or healthcare provider that I'm finding every time you comment about my weight very hurtful and
0: unhelpful. So what we can offer at Sweet Life is is just other people who feel the same way. So I think if you are really struggling with an eating disorder, it's important to get professional help and and to reach out to a, a psychologist if you have one, or to a counsellor or a diabetes nurse educator, or your doctor, as you said, if it's someone that you trust. But if you just need people to recognize that you're not in it alone then that's what we can offer as a community and I think what makes me uh, the saddest about all of this is as you said the joy is often taken out of eating to me food is one of the best things about life I look forward to my next meal pretty much as as soon as I've finished my last one and it can still be joyful with diabetes once you've kind of found your groove and found your mojo and found what works for you and also, just how much of quality of life is leached out with eating disorders, right? if you're running yourself high on purpose, you're feeling terrible like it, a day of high blood sugar is is a bad day. It's just very difficult to enjoy anything if you're high or if you're exercising a lot and and having lots of hypos, like a day with a hypo is a difficult day like it you, it takes resilience to bounce back, and so I really want to encourage anyone listening who is struggling with this at the moment that it is possible to find as you say neutral isn't neutral such a beautiful word like to find this neutral happy space where you can eat food that you enjoy and not beat yourself up about it and feel well because that's also like food is about enjoyment and it's about feeling well and it is possible to feel well with diabetes it just takes the right team absolutely and I think um
1: Certainly, like with the intuitive eating, it could actually be another resource for people. Uh, there is a, a website, yeah. intuitiveeating.org. You could read the book, um, and I'd love to. It really is about the process of learning to listen, listen to your body, and noticing how your body feels. Exactly, like you said, you know, when your sugars are running high or running low, um, how are you experiencing that in your body, and and recognizing that your body mm-hmm. is is an instrument. It's not an ornament. <laughs>
0: Gail, thank you so much. This has been such a valuable and helpful discussion, and I really appreciate you bringing it out into the light. Pleasure. Yeah, I think that's how I said
1: at the beginning. I'm so grateful for the opportunity because the more we talk about it, it just affords us access to care and just to bring it out in the open, and
0: that there should be no shame in asking for help. I also wanted to get the perspective of someone living with type 1 who's working through an eating disorder. So I've asked Alrie Clarence to join us. She's been living with type 1 diabetes since the age of 10 months and has a wealth of experience with pretty much every aspect of the condition. Elri, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Well, oh, thank you, Bridget. I've, I feel very welcome and thank you for, for inviting me to yeah. join you.
0: So <laughs> you are in the process of recovering from an eating disorder with type 1 diabetes. What can you tell us? What is it like?
2: Well, yes, that's correct. I actually got diagnosed last year with an eating disorder um, mm-hmm. and I knew that I was struggling with one, but no doctor and no dietitian really put a point on it and or a name on it. So when I was diagnosed then last year, I was like, oh, my word. Okay, someone saw me, someone understands, yeah. and now I can actually start working with it because, like, for example, in grade, I think I was grade four, I stopped eating. I just oh. told my parents, I'm not going to eat anymore. And they were freaking out because oh, obviously goodness. I need to eat. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. so since last year, a lot has happened. I'm still recovering, but it felt so liberating to be diagnosed and have someone to work with and work through the process and the whole mental side and the mindset and everything and it's unbelievable i feel so so much better Mm. um yes it's flipping hard work i mean i i'm very focused on what i put in my mouth Mm. um we talk in our sessions about sober days and i actually yeah because it's an addiction i mean it's it's yeah so my she asked me what is a sober day, and i said well that's if I have no red Bull and chips and chocolates and stuff mm. that i'm not supposed to have but mm. it's been now twenty six days okay. um, since i broke away from my eating plan um i feel so much better and with the help and everything from everybody else my body feels better my sugar levels looks better yeah. my hba one c is busy going down mm. um so yeah and also just it's, to it's, feel understood
0: is so important definitely isn't it? like you're not just definitely. sitting in a room alone
2: we determined that i am actually addicted to food so okay. it's not it's not something specific, and, I, and that makes it a little bit more difficult mm, because mm. in my mind, I just eat to eat. Mm. And if I'm emotional or I'm stressed, obviously ps- other people do that as well. Mm. But also sometimes I just mindlessly eat. Okay. As long as my mouth is moving, mm. you know, But you're not eating cucumber, are
0: you? Because that's the no. thing. Hey, there's no fun in <laughs> eating like a giant bowl no. of frozen peas. No one wants to do that. And who who helped you with your diagnosis?
2: what happened is I, I've been working with my dietitian flux like since 2009 and mm-hmm. it's been up and down. And then she told me about a lady that's in the same building as she is that specializes in um, eating disorders. Mm. So um, I went, it took me two years, but I went ahead and I made Amazing. an appointment um, with Jeannie, uh, Jeannie Maton. She's in Paul and um, she's a clinical um, psychologist okay. and she has been, yeah, She's been working with me for the last year. Well done,
0: you. So. It's so, it's so oh. hard also because if you think about all the extra pressures that diabetes places on us already and all the other things we have to think about all the time already and then to have to tackle something that is hard for anyone, like nobody is skipping into an office where they're dealing with an eating disorder, but you've already got diabetes and the rest of life. I'm I'm... So impressed. Well then
2: It's been tough. Yeah. (laughs) It's been really tough. but uh, We are there. (laughs)
0: You are doing so well. So what I find difficult about this, so this is a very fresh conversation for me too. Like I don't think any of us have been talking about eating disorders or disordered eating and diabetes enough before. And I'm so grateful you were willing to talk to us today. What I find tricky is that we're kind of encouraged to have this. Necessary obsession with food and counting carbs and portion control and, and balancing insulin. So how do we manage to balance that with a healthy attitude towards
2: eating? Like I mentioned, it is, it's really hard work. And, oh, what I'm doing is I started exercising at the start of the year again, because <laughs> I haven't exercised for like three years. I had both my, my shoulders frozen up. So Oy. yeah, that as well. So what I did is I created a group with my friends and they are kind of my accountability partners. Yeah, so smart. if I'm having a tough day or I'm really like, just, I just want to eat and I don't really know what I want to eat or, mm. you know, that whole mm. mental struggle, I will check in with them and they do the same if they have a, if they have a trouble. And what's very great is that one of them is a diabetic as well. Amazing. So um, we check in and on each other. And, um I obviously I still see my psychologist mm. once a month mm. and I still work with my dietitian. I mean I can email her at any time and oh, that's ask so her, wonderful. Listen, I'm I'm stuck here. And then yeah, it's it's my husband plays a huge role. A huge huge role. He helps me, he keeps me sane, mm. if I can tell it like if I can say it like that around food. And um I don't know. It's just like it's just something at the beginning of the year and I'm like I need to change this because I feel so bad I feel Mm, mm. tired all the time and my levels are all all over the place Mm. and I mean walking into a shop now it's not daunting anymore like oh my word look at all those chips and look at Mm, all those chocolates mm, mm. and
0: but how amazing um, to have this team around you too I think that's what's so that's what's so healing about this, right? And what's so brave about you is that you're—it's not that you've recognised that there's an issue and then you're just trying to soldier on alone. You've asked your friends to help. You've got your psychologist helping, your dietitian, your husband. Like it's this whole team effort. I think it's wonderful. If anyone is is listening and nodding their head or recognising elements of their behaviour, yeah. So if they have diabetes and 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 might be struggling with their eating. Do you have any advice? What has helped you?
2: Okay, so uh, as humans, we always want to help the people that we love and we always want mm. to force them into help. Like <laughs> you need, need this. No, don't. Don't okay. do that because that is what happened to me. I mean, I, I, my people love me and they want to support me mm. and they want to they want to do everything for me. But it makes it flippant difficult because I was not right. Yeah, I was not mind, ready. The mindset was not there. So what I would say is, the person struggling needs to, like, admit and accept accept that they have a problem. Yeah. And when that happens, then you can step in and say, "Okay, let's look at what we can do for you. What is the options? Can uh, should you go see someone? Do you want to speak to someone? Do you want to speak to me or mm. speak to a friend or mm. whatever? But, um, you can encourage them and and listen. Sometimes sometimes we just need. vent sometimes especially when it when it gets to a point where i can't handle it i go to my husband and or my sister and i tell her i said listen i can't anymore i don't want to you don't necessarily have advice for me or i don't necessarily want your advice not to be rude or anything but just listen so that we can get it out and get it out of our system and move on yeah but when the point arrived like with me when I got to the point where I said okay I do have a problem and I need to accept that I have a problem Mm. my husband was like with me 100% he's like okay I told him this is what I'm going to do I'm going to see my dietitian. I'm going to make an appointment I'm going to try my best I'm going to look at what we eat and our budget and everything Mm -hmm. and then we took it there from there as a team yeah and what also helps a lot is is I um if you know someone try and get them involved in in the community especially like with a diabetes community or even a eating disorder community Mm. it does just get them involved there because speaking to other people who can relate and Absolutely. who can actually understand helps a lot. Yeah. And that's all the things, all the things that I got together, that I put together and to get, to get where I am currently. Wonderful. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: That makes so much sense. And also I think what's so great about what you're saying is that it's not that we as people with diabetes need someone to swoop in and save us. It's that when we're ready to take the next step, then we just want our people to support us. But that next step is up to us. Ah, oh, that's such good advice. Thank you. And last question. What makes your life sweet?
2: What makes my life sweet is I still have my parents. Both of my parents oh, are lovely. still alive. I have my sister. Um, my husband is a darling and I love him so much. <laughs> and going on adventures with him is what I live for these days. Because oh, we have lovely. so much fun. And um, being part of the diabetic community. Absolutely. That saved me in a lot of ways. Having coffee every day. You can take my chocolate away, but please don't take my coffee away because that's the sweetest thing. That's the sweetest thing. And then last thing, y'all—I yeah, reading. I, I know people are like, you read. I'm like, yes, I read. Oh God, but I read. It's, it's, it's
0: the one thing I do. The one thing yeah, I always Yeah, It have saved sample.
2: me it actually saved me a few years back. So mm. yeah. That makes that perfect sense. That is what makes my life and oh, and cats. Cats <laughs> <Sounds> <laughs> like cats make my life sweet. It sounds like <laughs> such
0: a sweet love. Thank you so much, Ali. Thank you for joining us and and thank you so much for sharing your experience because I think this is what we need, right? We need to just be normalizing this and talking about it and recognizing that these crazy thoughts that we all have in some degree in our heads are not actually that crazy because we all have them. It's it's so important. Thank you. If anyone is listening and struggling with an eating disorder and diabetes, please remember, you're not alone. You can reach out for help either to, to us, to the online diabetes community or to a friend or family member or... Your doctor or your psychologist or your dietitian, there are so many people all ready and willing and waiting to help. And then there was one. Please join us next week for the final episode in this season. We'll be chatting to Dr. Sundy Bruder about the root cause of diabetes. It is sure to be an enlightening discussion. Please join us. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen today and invite you to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. It's such a pleasure to be able to spend this time with you and I really appreciate it. I'm sure your diabetes management appreciates it too. Big thanks to Lily for sponsoring this season of South Africans with diabetes. Lily is the leading provider of insulin in South Africa, supporting people with diabetes through high quality, affordable products. Lily unites caring with discovery to create medicines that make life better for people around the world. This podcast comes to you from Sweet Life Diabetes Community. We are South Africa's largest online diabetes community, a space to connect with other people living with diabetes, share tips, and offer advice. Our website, sweetlife.org.za, has all the diabetes info you need, all in one place. We're like the diabetes Wikipedia of South Africa. We offer expert advice that's easy to understand and written just for you. Whether you're looking for the latest news and updates on diabetes in South Africa, tips to manage your condition better, meal plans and diabetes-friendly recipes, exercise suggestions or how to lose weight, we have an expert answer for you. We also have free eBooks to download, a diabetes cookbook, diabetes guidebook and a healthy food guide. Most importantly, we have a community of people with diabetes who understand what it's like to live with the condition. Every day. We're all in this together.